Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, lead pastor Eric Parks has part one of the new series, Life After. His message today is titled, The Kingdom is Now and Not Yet. Last year was the first time I'd ever contemplated running. I'd never run a 5K, never run a 10K, never run anything. I ran Chicago Marathon last year. I'm going to run it again. You can do it. Come run it with me or at least come check it out. And here's the truth, folks. I'm getting old, right? Like, I, I know some of you are like, now slow down. You're not getting old. Now, wait a minute. Let me show you how old I'm getting. The year I was born, this is how much loaf of bread cost. 27 cents. 27 cents. You know how much a, you know how much a gallon of gas was? 39 cents. Anybody like some 39 cent gas today? Anybody? Yeah, me too. Milk was $1.31. Nixon was president. Folks, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. And and some of you, it was funny because um, I pretend to be young. Um, But but there are a few signs that um, I'm going to have you do a little self-quiz. Find out like where you sit on the age spectrum, okay? Because if, if you answer yes to any of these four, you too are joining me and getting a little bit old. Here it is. You know that you're old when you obsess about the weather. Anybody else? First thing you do, get up, check your phone and go, wonder what it's going to be. Chrissy, Chrissy, it's going to rain at two. It's going to rain at two. Can you believe it? Anybody else? You know you're getting old when you do that. Second way you know you're getting old is you ignore the GPS. That's not just a man thing. I know Rockford. I don't need a GPS to tell me the fastest way to get downtown. I know how to get down there. Don't tell me how to get to Perryville. I know how to do that. Third thing that lets you know that you're getting old is that you care more about checking your mailbox than checking your email inbox. (laughs) Anybody else like obsess about just getting the mail? You go get it every single day. Guy, let me just let you in on something. There's nothing in there. Nobody writes letters anymore, guys. It's literally nonsense. I check it, rain or snow. And then lastly, you know, you know you're joining me in getting old if you wear house slippers. Bro, I got some crazy house slippers. Listen, it's funny, we, we look, and, and as I get older and I begin to embrace this reality, I'm way closer to 50 than I am to 40. I begin to understand there's also some positive stuff. In fact, in fact, as I've gotten older, I've been asking myself some questions about the life in which I live that I think are a part of getting older. Things that I could share that I think will be helpful to any of us in the journey, because I've been asking myself this question. As Henry Blackaby puts it, there is a power in the gospel to set people completely free from the destructive power of sin and fill their lives with all the fullness of God. And I've been asking myself, why am I not living that life? Like, if that's true, that there is a power that liberates us from the destruction of sin and brings the fullness of life. Why am I not living that? That's why I'm excited about this series. Over the next six weeks, we are going to explore how do we live the kind of life 
that we should be living in Jesus. Because here's what's true. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, if you are a follower of Jesus, it's in you. It's in you. It's in you. Now, seven of you believe it. But I'm telling you, by the time we're done in six weeks, all of you are going to be like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that resurrection power is it's available to me? Oh, no, it's not just available to you through the Holy Spirit. It is in you. And so we are doing this six-week series on living the resurrection. And I want to ask you a couple things before I talk through this series and what it's going to actually look like. If you know somebody in your world who needs to get out of their grave, you've got to get them into this series. Over the next six weeks, all the way to Pentecost Sunday, we're going to be marching through this. And this is the reality. We're looking at life after resurrection, which does mean something to us as followers of Jesus. 2,000 years ago, God raised Jesus from the dead. He came out of a tomb. And it, it's not just simply a historical event. It's not a mere theological doctrine. This moment reverberates throughout history all the way to your life. It has something to do with you, this resurrection. Because when God raised Jesus from the dead... He also made it possible for Christ's life to reign eternally in you. That's what he did. I love the way that Steve Chalk puts it. He's an author. So often we're thinking about like resurrection or, or life in the kingdom as like, oh, why we come to church and why we do this is so that we can get to heaven someday. And while that's absolutely true, the kingdom is not yet, but the kingdom is also now. He said it this way. He said, we live the idea that the gospel's chief aim is to make us fit for heaven. When in reality, Jesus' message is focused on making us citizens and recipients of the kingdom of God today. You see, we are meant to live out of our grave. This is resurrection. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So join me in prayer because we're going to look at a resurrection today. Um, God, open our eyes this day. Help us see the tombs we live in. Help us dare believe that the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us this day. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Listen, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be camped in a verse. And we're actually going to look at a resurrection. We're going to kick off this series to look at why is it that so many of us fail to make resurrection plans? Why is it? That we spend more time making death and burial plans for us than we do resurrection plans. And we're going to look at a guy who got resurrected in John chapter, John chapter 11. This is the story of Lazarus. Now, if you've, been, if you've grown up in the church, a lot of you know this story. But I, I kind of want to step back and I want you to look at the whole story in context. And I think there's some things that we can learn as to why people don't make resurrection plans. So... Here's what's going to happen. Two things. I'm going to read out of this, but I'm going to tell you right up front that I'm going to read in a funny way because I'm really cheap and I won't buy bifocals. And because of that, I'm going to do something that y'all are going to laugh at. But it's the only way I can read. So don't laugh at me. I, I saved $175. John chapter 11, this is what happens. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now pause there for a second. This is important, what the Bible is trying to let, help us understand. This woman is invested. She's a churchgoer, if you will. She's a believer. 
not just a believer intellectually. She is invested in the cause of Jesus. She heard it. She believed it. She followed it. She invested in it. If there's anybody who believes in Jesus, this woman, like she believes, okay? So now let's pick up. It says, so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. This is Lazarus. He's sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, well, this sickness will not end in death. Now, that's good news, right? You go, okay, that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's why I follow you, because you're going you're gonna to step in, and you're, you're going to keep him from dying. And, but, but look what he says. He says, it, it, no, it's, it, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through this. But check it out. Check what happens. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, uh, and, her, uh, and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Say what? Now, wait a minute. Stop for a second. Jesus hears that these two believers of his are in trouble. Lazarus is sick. He says, not going to end in death. And then he doesn't do anything for two more days. And herein lies the problem number one, reason number one, why so many of us fail to make resurrection plans. That is, because oftentimes our timing does not align with Jesus' timing. You know what I'm talking about? Like, so often, our timing on a miracle, on deliverance, on what we need, isn't aligned with Jesus' timing. And so we see a delay of two days, and our natural inclination is to go, well, I guess he's not coming. I guess he isn't. Which we gave word. He said he was going to die. And now he's just, he, what is he doing? Why, why is he there for two days? See, we see this in our lives, Right? where we can't pay a bill or something traumatic's happened to the family. We have a moment where we cry out to Jesus. We're like, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I've followed you. I've given you everything. Where are you? Why are you delayed? And we lose faith. And we lose faith because as human beings, truth is, we want our miracle now. We want our deliverance now. We need it right now. We've been this way from the earliest of our existence. Can I please have it right now, please? Right now, please. Right? We love that song, When Things Are Going Well, by Carrie Underwood, Jesus Take the Will. You know that song, Jesus Take the Will? You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't sound like that, I promise. We love the song, When Things Are Going Well, but I can tell you what, when we hit a rough patch, and Jesus doesn't come, we have a different song. And it's like, up, oh, I will take that wheel back now, <laughs> you know? It's like, no, no, no. You were delayed two days. I'll do it then. Fine, fine, I'll do it. So many of us see a delay as some sort of indication that Jesus isn't coming. That two-day delay is he's not coming. He's not coming. And this is reason number one. Why so many of us fail to come out of their grave and, and make resurrection plans. But let's pick up. Let's pick up in the Bible. So Jesus is delayed. And then I love this little interaction if you look at verse 11. 
after he said this, because he, he said, look, he, he, he's not going to die. After he says this, in verse 11, Jesus goes, our friend Lazarus, he's just fallen asleep. But I'm going to get there. I'm going to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, then he's going to get better. Well, Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he said it plainly. No, no, no. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Now pause for a second. If you're a disciple in this moment, you're saying, wait, what? Because you believe that Jesus can do anything, right? Like we do. We believe that Jesus has a plan, that he has a purpose. And Jesus, in that moment, right then says, okay, he's sleeping. And that would make sense to a disciple, right? He's sleeping. That's why Jesus is delayed two days. He's sleeping. And so they're just kids. Remember, these disciples, they're like teenagers. They're legit. They're teenagers. So like, oh, of course he's asleep. That's why we're just kind of tooling along and not, we're taking our time. And then Jesus goes, no, 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 dude, let me make it clear. Let me make a plain. He's not sleeping. I was using a metaphor. He's actually dead. And I'm glad that he's dead. You, wait, what? You said what? You read on. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been dead. He had been in dead for now four days. And, you know, I think about the disciples and Mary and Martha and these situations, and it leads to the second reason why I believe that we don't make resurrection plans. It's because when we see and hear these things, we rely too much on our natural, our physical, our eyes and our ears, right? Because in that moment, if you're a disciple, if you're Mary and Martha, it is over. You, you messed up, Jesus. And then you said back there, you have to see them like, no, I'm, I'm not, this isn't in the Bible, okay? So just give me a little bit of creative liberty because I read the scriptures and I go, well, if I was a disciple, what would I be feeling? I can tell you what I'd be feeling. Crazy confused. Wait, Jesus, you said he was asleep. We delayed. Then you said that by delaying and him dying, that, that we'll be glad for it. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. God, this whole thing's a hot mess. I don't know what you're doing, but this thing, whatever you're doing, this is a mess. And what I see is a mess. You messed it up, Jesus. You didn't show up. You didn't come. See, this is what we do too often. We look at our lives and everything that seems like this mess, and because it's a mess, we fail to make resurrection plans. We believe it's done. It's over. Marriage is over. Job is over. It is what it is. Don't try to tell me anything different. I got eyes. I'm not stupid. Jesus shows up, and it's a mess. Anybody had a mess in their life? Anybody had a mess where you're looking at the mess of your life, and you're going, one, if you would have showed up a little bit earlier, it wouldn't be a mess, but you didn't show up any earlier, and it is a mess, and if it's a mess now, then it's probably gonna be a mess forever. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I can be a little bit, you know, I, I start to catastrophize things, right? Like I get in these moments, and well, it's never gonna get any better. It's always gonna be a train wreck. This, this would be true of Mary and Martha and the disciples, and it's the reason, second reason why. So many of us, so many of us don't make resurrection plans because we trust our eyes and our ears too much. So, Jesus steps in and go to verse 35. 
You, you can read the whole passage. I encourage you to. But skip to verse 35, and, and I think it speaks to the third reason why we fail to make resurrection plans in our life. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, so Jesus has gotten there now. He's shown up, but Lazarus is dead. He's been dead for a minute. Like, didn't just die. He's been dead for a minute. In verse 32, it says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell to his feet and said, Lord, if you'd have been here, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't be dead. Why didn't you come? And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He said, where have you led him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And the shortest verse in the Bible, it says, Jesus wept. Now pause there. I think there is an inherent belief that if Jesus' timing doesn't align with ours and we're living in a hot mess, that somehow Jesus doesn't care or love you. It's a natural instinct to to say, you don't care about me. Now, Mary and Martha, they don't say this, but I wanted to point something out. I wanted to point out in the shortest verse, have you noticed why he wept? I just want you to understand that in your mess and in his delay, make no mistake, he loves you. In fact, the reason why he wept was because his heart was moved by the pain that these people were feeling. Like they were broken by it. But I'm telling you that it is one of the enemy's oldest and most successful tricks in keeping you from ever coming out of your grave. It is to convince you that nobody loves you including Jesus, including your God. He doesn't care about you. He never did. He cares about other people, but he doesn't care about you. Because look, look at the situation. This is what the evil one does. He just whispers these things in ears. Look, it's the mess. He's delayed. If he loved you, he would have been here. He hasn't shown up. Your life's in that. He doesn't care about you. And when we begin to believe that Jesus doesn't love us, This is a surefire way to be trapped in our grave and our tomb. And I want to remind you the truth of the resurrection. Because too many of us are not living our resurrection. You're trapped in a tomb. I don't know what it is. But let me remind you this reality. The Apostle Paul speaks to it in Ephesians chapter 1, and this is a long passage, but it's almost the Apostle Paul helping us understand, hey, listen, there's some stuff going on that's really hard for us to see, but let me address the reality of resurrection power when he says this. Now listen, he says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He's like, I hope he will open your eyes to the reality of who he is and what he's done. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of your calling. That you know it. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? In other words, may you know what you're due and the power you have. What you're due... And the power that you have because of what was done in that grave. 
He's saying, may you know this. May somehow, in spite of everything you see, the delay in timing, the mess in your life, may you know your inheritance. May you know the power. His power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You see him, you see the apostle Paul explain it even one better in Ephesians chapter two, verse six, when he says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. He's like, hey, make no mistake. You might be living in a grave, but he has made you alive with Christ even when you were dead in transgressions. In other words, uh, yeah, yeah, you probably did make the mess. You might have. It's okay. He says, it is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. In other words, do you know what Ephesians 2 is? It is for us the same as in the moment with Lazarus, what that was for them. It was an example of resurrection power. He's saying in Ephesians chapter 2, there is something on full display. And this is so that ages and ages as we get older and we pass into our world, we didn't get to be there with Lazarus, but we can be assured the same inheritance is due for us and the same power it exists in us and the grave that you're in, you can come out of. You have to know it and understand it and believe it. There's a power in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. And I want to say this. I want to say this about resurrection. Because some of you, your resurrection is coming. But let me, let, me, let me make a quick warning. If you go to John chapter 11, verse 39, it says, Jesus says, take the stone away. Martha goes, but Lord, Lord, by this time there is a bad odor. He's been there for four days. Now, listen, funny thing about us, Jesus is about to answer her greatest prayer. He's about to answer her greatest prayer, and she's encouraging him not to. Is that not crazy? Do you understand what's happening here? He's about to do a miracle, and she's like, you don't want to do that. That's too messy. My life's too messy. It's too stinky. I don't know if I want you to see it. This is what we do. We get in the grave so long, it's such a hot mess that we're not sure if we want Jesus to see it. I don't know if I want you to smell this. Let me tell you something. Resurrection is messy business. Jesus is in the messy business business. It's messy business. It's okay. Don't get to the point of your miracle and go, no, 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 no. You don't want to see this. You don't want to see. Too many of us have gotten to the point of our miracle, the point of the miracle and gone, nope, nope, I don't, I don't know if I can, I don't want you to see this mess. It's a mess. Jesus knows that. Jesus says, take away the stone. And when he does, a dead man came out. Now let me speak to the last bit of resurrection. One, don't, don't you dare disqualify your resurrection because it's a mess. That's part of it. But this last piece is huge. If you're going to live out your resurrection, look what, what happens in John eleven forty four. The dead man came out. Lazarus comes out. He raises him from the dead. But what happens next is absolutely critical for you. His hands and his feet 
were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And then Jesus said, take off that grave clothes. Let him go. Let me say something. Some of you are ready to walk out. You are ready for deliverance. Let me tell you something. You cannot walk out of the grave with the grave clothes on. You gotta leave them in there. No, no, listen, this is the hard part. Jesus is ready to resurrect you. You're ready to be resurrected. You're not sure if you wanna take those clothes off. You say, well, what do you mean? When I was 21, I'd been living not for the Lord. Jesus grabs my heart, changes my life, resurrects me. I'm at a 1994, it was actually January 1, 1995. I head back to school, the University of Kansas, and it becomes clear within days what I was doing in the grave, the clothes I was wearing in the grave, if I'm going to live out here, I can't have those clothes on. I can't keep going to the club. You know what I'm saying? Can't keep doing what I'm doing on Saturday night. I can't keep hanging out with the same people. They're speaking stuff into my life that I can't have anymore. I had to put that drink down. I have to change some patterns in my life. If I'm going to live resurrected, I have to take the strips of the, this grave clothes and I got to leave them in the tomb. Some of us, we have been taking grave clothes and wrapping it around convincing ourselves that we are wearing Gucci and it's just stinky old clothes man Jesus is saying you you got to leave them in there it's got to be done you want to live full full resurrection got to leave it there I call my dad I'm like dad what am I supposed to do he's like you probably need to get out of the grave son two days later he's in a car I pack up my things on the back of that vehicle. I did not know what the future would hold, but I knew that if I didn't take the grave clothes off and leave them back there in Lawrence, Kansas, that I'm going to just be back in that tomb in no time. You have a resurrection story. If you know Jesus, the grave you're in, you have the power to leave it. It's all in him. I love what Romans 8, 11 says, yet God raised Jesus to life. God's spirit now lives in you. He will raise you to life by his spirit. And let me just start, let's, let me break it down for a minute. Let me just break it down. You know that marriage that you thought could not be revived? I think you need to start making resurrection plans. You, you know that healing you swore could never happen? I think you should start making resurrection plans. You know that dream that you've let die? You haven't whispered to anybody. You got to start making resurrection plans. All those dreams, all those things, I'm telling you, start making resurrection plans. The Apostle Paul says the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Quit making death plans. Quit making burial plans. Start making resurrection plans. Jesus isn't dead, He's alive. And his empty grave poses a new question. The question that we as family should be asking is not, what do we do now that he's gone? 
No, no, no. Instead, we need to start dreaming together as a church family and start asking what and how should we live now that we know he is alive? We should be allowing hope and joy and belief in God to begin to flood over us. We can do anything in Christ Jesus. Anything according to his purpose and plan. But you have to let, you got to embrace this for yours. But you have a grave that Jesus is ready for you to walk out of. You just got to decide, I'm walking out. I'm done. I'm going to make some resurrection plans. You got to get out of your grave. And this is your call. We're going to worship for just a minute. And I'm going to challenge you in this next little three minutes. I'm going to ask you in your mind to name it. I don't know where you are on the pendulum of resurrection. But I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to name your grave, your clothes that need to be left behind, and begin the process of resurrection. This is what Jesus has in mind for you, church. Resurrection, new life, purpose, power. It is not for some, it is for all of us that believe in Jesus. And as we sing this, I'm just going to ask that you sing it with all you have. Amen? All right, let's sing and worship. You've been listening to Eric Parks with a message, The Kingdom is Now and Not Yet. Thanks for listening.